Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman. I watched the first ever Monday Night Raw live after just barely finishing my homework. I'm Tommy Rico, and I watched the November 29th, 1999 edition of Raw is War, which was supposed to be the wedding of Stephanie McMahon and Test, but instead confirmed the marriage of Stephanie to Triple H, beginning the kayfabe McMahon-Helmsley era that ran WWE, and now we get to live in that era for real. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and while I didn't watch Raw growing up, I did get to witness Stephanie McMahon and Triple H lip-sync a song from Moana live on The Tonight Show, and the two of them absolutely won me over in that moment. I got to see that too, and the coolest thing about that was getting home and having an email from Stephanie McMahon saying, was that okay? Yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> um, we're going to get to the Raw recap. Uh, it's in a historic Raw, but first, I just want to say actually a few things about uh, Stephanie McMahon and uh, the speech she gave Friday night in Boston for Friday Night SmackDown. Um, I thought it was perfect, and I think that um, we all have to think about um, everything that Stephanie McMahon was navigating in that moment and that she had a whole company uh, riding on her shoulders. She had fans that sh- that had felt let down, perhaps that she uh, didn't want to feel that way. Um, but at the same time, none of those people would be there. That the fact of the matter is, if not for her father, uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, they, that promotion would not be there. Um, Stephanie wouldn't be in that ring. And so it's just a very um, difficult tightrope to walk. And I find that as we all grow older and um, we all have relatives or parents that um, perhaps don't represent the same values we do, it can become difficult. And so I just want to commend Stephanie McMahon on basically taking an unwinnable situation where what do you do? Do you you basically trash your own father or do you just kind of uh, brush things off? And I thought she managed to address the situation and there was real emotion in there. And I thought that if you watch closely, you could see her those tears. And she went over to the uh, turnbuckle uh, camera and said uh, in the corner, I love you, dad. And I bet she does. And I know she does. And um, I would just say that, we can all aspire to be as brave and um, and really just um, kind of a stand up person like Stephanie McMahon in that kind of situation. I can't think of anything I've had to deal with that difficult. I bet most people haven't. But also at the same time, for those of us who are parents, it's just a reminder that we want when our children speak about us, we want it for them to be as easy as possible. And for them to be able to say nice things and have everyone believe in it. So I'm just as guilty as anyone else. I'm from New England. Anytime you have a flippant moment and you want to say something nasty, man, think about your kid. Think about what they might say. Don't say, don't do. Um, so that it's easier on them when that time comes. And with that, let's go to the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. I'm a huge Triple H fan. <sighs> I'm that episode a you just talked mark about for Triple H when they did the drive, the wedding drive. I was like, you know, I'm 16, so I like I I get I'm you know I get what I'm watching sort of. And I remember I was watching it as I fell asleep and I couldn't sleep. I was so like I actually sat up and went. Argh! I went like a like a cartoon character or like a like a like the guy that hires the Three Stooges in those shorts. I was like, Triple H. WWF at the time actually purchased large. Uh, advertisements in all of the major newspapers to uh, to promote 
the wedding of Stephanie and Tess. What? It was a huge deal. Oh, yeah, no. They, they worked all me out and they, on that angle. They timed it out perfectly, where if you watch it, I think Hunter comes out at about 10, 57, 20, or something like that. So Julie, Julie knows what I'm talking about. The old Bruce Pritchard to the minute, like, timing. He came oh, out just, just, maybe it was later. It might have been 10, 58. We were like, okay, I guess this is that. Oh, wait a minute. What is going on? And somehow they got all that business in. And uh, but then, Tom, to, to piggyback off for you, if you look at the ruth, ruthless aggression era, the big program of that time was John Cena, Triple H, and it's kind of remarkable. You have two dudes carrying wrestling that grew up within forty-five minutes of each other. I just yeah, think that's and I was really, I, I was always partial to him because he had that bodybuilder physique, and I I was into bodybuilding at the time. But one thing that you notice over the years and years of Triple H matches and Triple H in the ring. He sacrificed his body so much. I mean, mm-hmm. he's torn both quads, I think. Um, Not but, walking you know, into the most, Royal Rumble. To yeah, most, break most notoriously, he tore the quad. It, he's yeah, not going to give us that. He tore a quad in a tag match and finished the match. Yeah. And then, but he has, you could see over the years, even as he sacrificed his body more and more to stay on screen and to stay in the ring, you could see his physique start to suffer. There was a point where he was wrestling with hematomas in his legs and he had to, he had to wear tights cause you could, it was visible. And I mean, that guy put himself through hell. Anytime you but think I don't think he's the might... type of guy that wants to do that to others. Anytime I, you're I at the point he's... where you're like, my injury might burden others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when it's like, yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's time. Yeah. I remember yeah. that Celtics game. Everyone <laughs> going, Gordon Hayward, you're really making a scene here. Can you please just limp <laughs> off the court? Uh, but that's really what triple H yeah, I remember that. I remember watching when he tore yeah. that first quad. Like, you know, I think I was a senior in high school and you could see it in the replay. Like, yeah. I remember there was that quiet of Jim Ross and the King dropping out like, oh, God, because you could see. And uh, well, because he was shredded and you could see mm-hmm. as he planted his leg, you could see the muscle tear. You could you could literally see under yeah. the skin. Mm-hmm. Something went horribly wrong. But but Triple H, the one thing I really I really respect about him is I don't believe that he's the same guy that says, I put myself through all that. I'm going to put all my people no, through that. I think it's all. the opposite. Nope. I think he, abs- he, he feels that he actually had to go through that because that was the times, and he understands that the times have changed. And I'd love to see fewer wrestlers getting hurt and, and some kind of rotation where we don't see people have to lose years of their career anymore. You know, that's a good point. One of my favorite videos, you know, up till a month ago, I guess, whenever this all started. Now you're kind of, you kind of reassess everything. But yeah, you know, I've talked about that video of Vince in the suit showing Gronk how to take a bump. But now that you kind of, re- you really kind of look at it through another prism, you're like, who knows what Gronk was going through that day? We don't know his medical history. I'm guessing it's a lot of concussions now that we know about the NFL. A lot of back problems. It's not yeah, good. He has a really he tired for a reason. And so I think, Hunter, you're right. He's different. He's a guy that's like, well, it's you who's doing it. It's not me. So, and, you know, I've told that story before about the thank you note cameo, where mm. under no circumstance would he get Jimmy Fallon involved. In it. He just wouldn't do it. And, yeah. um, and that, was a, <laughs> that, was a, that was a tough one, but it was him putting someone else first. Um, so Triple H in charge of creative. There was a great photo going viral yesterday of Triple H on the entrance ramp and <laughs> oh, MSG no. from behind. He's got the headset on. Fuck so that epic. made me like, doesn't that just, Julie, so doesn't epic. that just pump you up? Aren't you just like, let's fucking go. I let's saw, do it right I, now. Let's I do a show right so now. so good. Yeah. Right? Oh, I just, I was, I, 
This is the best I've felt in a long time watching Rob. The ju- really? The, ju- the juxtaposition, though, of that photo, you know what made me feel like I felt even better about the fact that he didn't show up on the show. Yep. That to me is a selfless. That, that to me is Triple H. That's who he is. You know, that's a he good point. He put his talent front and center. I thought he would, but you're right. You know, but when you really think about it, it's like, yeah, no, he's not going to be that guy. He's a point guard, Triple H. Yep. Well, I mean, Stephanie's favorite basketball player is the late, great Dennis Johnson from the Celtics. One of the all-time is great Is it really? Yeah, she did an event with the Celtics a few years ago. Had a Dennis Johnson jersey. Huh. So I saw her in the elevator one day. I said, Dennis oh. Johnson. DJ, yeah. That was her favorite. And it makes sense because, like, that's... The person, it's like, that's what they do where it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to control the offense. I'm going to run the play, but you're going to score. Someone else is going to get to do the fun thing. So it's just me working in a Celtics reference. <laughs> Fine with Durant. Um, I'll just throw that out there. Um, I felt everything about the show last night was for the fans. Go, I know go. we're going to recap everything, but I have never felt more catered to in my life than watching last night's raw. Were you so catered to you? You might call yourself Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Dad joke. He's a grandfather. Eric would really appreciate that. Absolutely, um, he would. I love it. I like Eric. For instance, for real, he was he was very kind to me um, in our brief time, very very brief time for both of us. But uh, we we kick off raw with an old Paul Heyman trick. This is something that Paul did a couple times. Oh yeah, where the show starts before the show starts. They're already. They're already wrestling in the ring. Yeah. And the thinking was, I was so that I was in a meeting, happened to be in the meeting. Uh, yes, I was before people say otherwise. I was in the meeting where Paul suggested this and his Paul's idea was that, you know, sometimes you come into a playoff game, a basketball game or football and the act, they just got started because the other game was an overtime and the action's already going. And so I saw that happen last night with the Logan Paul and the Miz. <sighs> Nothing against the Miz. I just want people to know that. Um, audible whatever I just did was not because of uh, Miss Mizanin, but um, it's uh, they're in the ring and they're already fighting. They being Logan and the Miz, and uh, yeah, and it makes you wonder about the Paul Heyman influence. Is Paul already? I, I agree. Because that had to be that's it. I know that's Paul's idea. That's Paul's yeah. thing, and it's not me. It's we. We've talked about that. But that was yep. Ed Paul, do you agree? Do you think that was a Paul thing? It's smart programming. That's what WWE needs to do now because we have these really amazing television shows that are complex and complicated and drop you in the middle of the story. Mm. I mean, and and I think it was the right story to do it on because Logan Paul's not that great on the mic. So don't give me a back and forth right at the beginning. Just let me see <laughs> Logan Paul getting the shit knocked out of him. Yep. In well, the that late I can get and early 2000s. They, yeah. In the don't late 90s, early 2000s, because they, they used to call Lockdown's that crash over. TV. You can find me, but what was it called, Tommy? They used to call it Crash TV. Crash, Crash TV. TV. Uh, it was something Don't that Heyman was that doing term a lot. To Paul, no. though. Yeah. Because he well, will. Paul, why not? Paul developed it in and ECW and then comparing? WWE like co opted it. He will go, I Are mean, you comparing Paul, me Paul. to Vince fucking Russo? No. If anything, oh, Vince Russo cribbed it from Paul. You know, Vince Russo borrowed so much from ECW. Borrowed. No, I yeah. sound like Paul. Now. <laughs> Outright stole. Outright stole. But, oh gosh, I'm not gonna. Right, right down to performance. Two people talk behind closed doors, but dude, everything yeah. you're saying right now is true. And you're saying that Vince Russo basically kind of just watched some ECW maybe and said, "Hmm, where's my notepad?" 
that well right right down to that and taking their their talent but yeah uh the the logan paul miz scrum to open should have been the end of miz and logan paul because oh. we'll get to it later but the segment they put on later was the worst part of the show yeah um but it was a hot open i like it it, it was just yeah. one of those you you, you you come in from the logo and all of a sudden there's two guys fighting in the ring and it takes you a second to figure out who it is and then you're watching it and it's those pull apart brawls People like them. I like them. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, especially without context, it was good. It, and then they showed later that, they, that there was no context. They literally, one came into the ring, called the other one out, and then the other one came out and they started yeah. fighting. Couldn't street wait clothes. till the show started. No. Um, that much hate. Fun to see who's in the pull, pull, pull aparts. I saw. Oh, yes. I saw Shane That's Holmes, always my favorite. My old parking Which lot producers buddy. volunteer. They always park next to each other. Yeah. Here we are again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and every time. John, would, did you ever get I, to. Did you ever get to be on TV? Yeah, when, I was when running, you were uh, there. One time, Brock Lesnar tried to beat me up when I was very running nice, from him. Very nice. Very nice. Yes, because they would always at, at WWE. Them. Oh, God Vince got damn very it. upset. I was not in they the. They would replay. always. They would always pull in writers, and they'd say, "Writers, we need you in the background." Do you I work said in it the wasn't background? a good idea because <laughs> I was much taller than some of the other options there, and I was like, "You have better options to be in this shot." And, That's a very and, good point. Um, Bruce kind of gave me a look like, do you really think those fucking guys can do this? Because they, I won't say who, but it probably wasn't a bit good idea. And so that's what you do at WWE. You just go, all right. And it wasn't a good, I way oversold it. Because Brock and I were like, Brock's only about two inches taller than me in height. So mm-hmm. it was an awkward, I could see the camera. And Paul's giving me, Paul's trying to direct me. Because Paul's behind, and he's trying to tell me what to do. And, and he's going, sell! sell like he's doing it because he's he knows it doesn't look good either and so i mm. did like a like a basically uh, a monty python silly walk <laughs> up the wall backstage <laughs> and vince went i heard i i didn't hear that i just heard secondhand he went what the god damn what the fuck we got a tall guy we got the tall guy around what the fuck's he doing it's a cartoon ah some other shit so it was well, that's a replay. big thing you at wwe it is, anywhere. it is it is height because the yeah. It's a bad Female look. interviewers take off their high heels when they're interviewing um, uh, wrestlers on the um, superstars on the show. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my shock. But now I guess you can say no, whatever you, you want. Can say whatever the now, fuck now you want. I, I heard the yeah, word exactly. fight last <laughs> night. Wrestlers. I've heard a lot of belt in the last few. Yeah, that was what uh, someone said. And uh, we were all talking. About, I was talking with our friend Kev Kellum. I was saying on Twitter, it'd be great. I wanted Hunter to come out and just open the first segment and just sneeze for five minutes. <laughs> and then go to commercial, just like, because that, it would have been shit. It would have been a really bad idea. I'm not serious about it. And it would have been a really bad look. So don't anyone hear this and say, uh, but it would have been fucking hilarious. It would have been the yeah. funniest fu- thing. And I think we all, well, it would have, it would have lost them a lot of respect in the media, but we would have enjoyed it. And that's <laughs> all about the three of us. She's been sneezing a lot today. Maybe I should go to the hospital. <laughs> Maybe what? if I loosen yeah, my have belt, to that it would hospital help. Now. <laughs> I wonder if, but if, is that what he does? I wonder if that's what Vince in that moment in that meeting when he was thinking of the hospital. Oof. I'm not going to name. I'm not saying Vince is this guy, but there's a guy on Netflix, a net, certain Netflix documentary about a really bad dude who, as it turns out, who spent a lot of time visiting hospitals. And so now when I think of Vince wanting to build, build that hospital that night, I'm like, hmm. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was his come to Jesus that like, I am going to have to build a hospital someday. Tonight's as good as any. 
Um, <laughs> can you imagine that if Vince built the hospital, then the pandemic happened, and then he starts getting the bills for all the shit they have to for all the people? <laughs> what the f- God damn it, Bruce! Bruce, you made me build this hospital. Hospital. And Bruce has to keep correcting him. Medical facility. Medical facility. They're in each exactly. other's earpiece. Did you catch Michael Cole on Friday night when he took when he took a little dig when they said, uh, "I'm sorry, I'm out here to give you some crap on commentary, Michael Cole." And he said, "It's okay. I've been getting it in these easy, these ears for 25 years." <gasps> and I was I like, "I did not oh. hear that." I was like, "That was." And he had a big, he big smile, and you could see everyone at the table be like, "Well, that's Michael's." <laughs> wow! Got poor one, Michael, poor Michael Cole it. has almost gone deaf on the job, so I think he's entitled to a little dig if he wants. I don't know. That's big. He's though. gonna hear Vince yelling in his. It doesn't matter. Trust me. Like I, we, I've worked for many interesting people in media. You're gonna hear them yelling at you. Uh, for it's like Niagara Falls. Shoot. Yeah, poor uh, Cole is almost deaf. He's he's lost like sixty yeah. percent of his hearing. Yeah, <laughs> or is he? Or are we now going to find out that? Hey, wait! I can hear just fine. <laughs> Bruce is going to say, "All right, Michael, here you need to say the bell thing." Oh yeah, the bell thing. Wait, what the fuck? Uh, I mean, let's talk about the sure. show. We got the Bloodline promo, the intro, oh. and uh, man, they made it to the ring in under one calendar year. Pretty good. I, they did. Yeah, I loved the glitch that happened. I loved Paul Heyman's. Yeah. Flame in New Jersey. I was you great. both know Paul better than I do. Was that planned or no. was that on pla- or is that improv? No, absolutely not. But absolutely. also, as soon as it happened and no one panicked because it was Paul. They were all just like, yeah. oh, this is going to be great. It's like when a heckler yells out at a good stand up. It's like, oh, let's just fucking sit back. By no the way, knows. mostly cheers for the bloodline and Paul. Great. Yeah, it was about 65 percent cheers. I mean, they, they were getting a rousing ovation to come out and. Uh, Reigns didn't want to talk, but the wise man always does. And no one can sell tickets to a premium live event better than Paul Heyman. He, everything he says sells tickets. Paul had a great story about, um, it was, uh, the matchmaker, uh, Eddie Marlin was his name. And it's Jeff Jarrett's step-grandfather. And when Paul was in Memphis, I believe there was a, going to be a boxing match between, Eddie Marlin and Paul Heyman. And so on the day that Eddie passed away, Jeff was in the office and he was. And so we were consoling him and everything. And Paul told the story that Paul was a manager at the time. And he was supposed to box the matchmaker, Eddie Marlin. And uh, his promos were everybody, whatever you do, do not buy a ticket to the Memphis stadium this weekend. Please do not buy a ticket because if you buy a ticket, I'm going to have to box and I'm not a wrestler. Don't buy a ticket. And that was his reverse. And he did that every week. They sold the place out. And then still Jeff's dad, Jerry. So now Bruce was in there to do the impression. And he came in and as Paul told the story uh, after the match, he got called into Jerry's office and got, he was getting chewed out for it. Jerry's like, "What, what are you trying to do? Telling people not to come to my show. I wanted people to come. And Paul had to say, Jerry, I'm that's how I got them to come this, yes, by telling them not to buy the tickets. And there was a pause. And then Jerry just goes, well, I don't know how you do business, but I've never done it by saying not to come. And that was <laughs> ultimately when Paul was like, time to go. <laughs> time to move yeah. on. 
So that, that is the classic way to sell cheap thrills. It was done in wrestling. Yeah. It was done like it, the old horror movies and exploitation movies, the 60s, 70s and 80s. There were movies that were flat out like we're going to give you a barf bag if you go to this one. You got and you're like, I got to see what would make me throw up. That's crazy. Oh, and yeah. Then, you know, it's only a movie. This yeah. movie will traumatize you. You'll end up in a straight jacket and go to the, you know, go to the <laughs> local medical facility. Yeah, they tried that a few years ago with all the 3D, 4D movies. Where it was like, and it works. It totally works. It's, and it's just, it's carny tricks from literally 100 years ago. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, he's great. But then an interesting thing they did uh, last night on Raw was that in a, it reminded me of the Attitude Era, was that there was, it was, there was really no pause. It was a continuous like cycle of stories intersecting with one another. Oh yeah. Which that was, was great. Brilliantly. And it, so, so theory comes out perfect yep. guy to interrupt yep. a bloodline promo. Oh, such, I mean, people, here's my thing about theory. He is either going to be the next John Cena or the next Brad Maddox. And there is no <laughs> in between. He's either going to be in, movies or like our next great sitcom star where he's got like the adopted kids and he's America's like, you know, 20 years from his America's toughest favorite. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger dad, or he's going to be taking a tombstone dressed as a Turkey on a late night talk show. There's no in between. And I'm very interested to see what happens with theory because he's got, he's got like that heat right now where I'm like, I mm. feels like Brad Maddox, but he's supposed to be John Cena. So, well, when Julie he looks and I nervous, talked about this last week. I think he's re- he, when, when theory has to be nervous. I'm like, that's probably pretty easy to do right now. I think it's very real. Yeah. Um, we talked about it last week. We still don't know who theory is beyond being like, you know, a guy with muscles and is kind of a douchebag. His character really hasn't evolved much. We like, I really feel like he's reciting the material that they give him, but that he hasn't really solidified who his character is. And he still can't quite sell himself as a threat. And I feel like everything they did with theory last night was the production team and the writers, everybody getting together and going, okay, kid, here's a bunch of rope. Are you going to hang yourself or are you going to pull yourself out of this problem? And it was a little of both. I loved that when they were talking about him, uh, uh, Roman Reigns asked Paul, Hey, wise man, we like him. Right. And mm-hmm. Paul said, he's all right. <laughs> and then That's Roman the with sentiment. the line. Yeah. Your daddy's not here anymore. Oh, wow. Did that, that, that got so much traction and it was brilliant. And Beautiful. Hats off to everyone in MSG for doing the right chant. Oh, the perfect, yep. so the old Pedro Martinez, who's your daddy chant. That was oh, it. it was so that was good. one of those beautiful things where it was a beautifully written line, beautifully delivered. And you could see when the crowd started to chant, Heyman almost, you could see him, his, the curl of his smile a little bit. Because you yep. could tell he was like, oh, this is perfect. Like this and is Roman's a, everyone Roman's from the crowd so good. The perform- everyone did this right. And we're having a great Roman moment. is so good. That was, you know what that promo reminded me of? Mm. It reminded me of Jake Roberts. It was a quiet, oh, calm, interesting, confident promo. The restraint he had and keeping like the Usos from attacking theory. The whole thing was a breath, a breath of fresh air. It was really well done by everyone in the segment, including theory. I mean, theory really sold that he was like nervous Man and, without a and skittish. Yeah. yeah, it was. It Last was well night was the around. most I ever have liked theory. I just and cared I think about it's, him. Like yeah. I was like, I want to see what happens to this guy. Right. I agree. I agree. And I, I give a lot of credit to Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and the Usos. They helped a lot to make me actually feel for 
Theory, who I, I don't particularly care about nor like. Yeah, and it's like, we all know that Paul lost a lot of talent that he was really passionate about uh, when the cutbacks, quote-unquote, happened during the uh, pandemic. Uh, Alistair Black, number one on that list. Oh, yeah. The biggest of big plans for him. Um, and, uh, and numerous others. And um, I think he, now that they're, I think he probably is smart enough to see that, of course he's smart, Paul Heyman, but to look at Theory and go, this kid needs... Like, we got to go now. Like, this is yeah. like, make it happen time. But then, um, as Theory is kind of left, like, in the lurch, what am I going to do? Drew McIntyre comes out. Yep. And I'm like, my, so this is my old way of opening a Raw thinking, which was, uh, here we go. Now, Drew's going to somehow interject himself in this program. We're going to have talking for the first, remember that Raw few months ago it was 50 minutes we counted right it was like 45 or 50 minutes yes. of talk before wrestling yes. it was during the holidays too so yes. it was like when you're trying to go against football you got people watching tv it's too cold to go anywhere and it was just talk so drew comes out and i'm like oh jesus but then they have a match get right into it they get right, get right into, into it. it and it's a can't call it because you can't bury either guy you can't have drew do the honors you can't have theory do the that would murder him in madison yeah. square garden so they put on a good match, and right when, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, um, enough's enough. Boom, Sheamus and the boys come in. Oh, so and good. That's another storyline. Yeah. So then they get yep. in with, with Drew, and then you're doing that, and and perfectly, theory kind of slides out, and that had attitude error all over it, where I was like, yep. oh, yeah, we're gonna here's our. It was almost like the news, like here's our top four stories. We're going to go bang, 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 boom. And then we'll go more in depth a little bit later. They should have brought Teddy Long for it. We Hala, also Hala, we have a commemorative tag team match players. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that was his thing. That's right. Because he would always, he, there would always be a scrum and he'd make a tag team match out of a singles match because someone interfered. I mean, it was good. One thing that was really cool, Lashley is over like Rover, man. He yeah. is over so huge. Now, and he, he's never not been. But now it's a di- he has definitely reached a different level because when he hit the ring, you could hear Madison Square Garden pop. And Madison Square Garden, notoriously not a building that loves baby faces. Let's also and not he's... forget Dolph Ziggler at ringside showing yes. up again. I love that, too. Me, too. His hair. His hair is so beautiful. I'm so jealous. He's very funny. Way, it's I, almost I, like I, he, I he might be he's... romantically linked to, to a very funny late night writer. I might just throw <laughs> out there. I'm not going to I confirm, name her. by the way. Uh, Dolph is 41 years old. CBS show she might work for, but it's almost like there's that tie. And, um, and he's doing it. I love that story, too. It reminds me of when Edge debuted. Where I'm like, what's he doing there? Like, he's just showing up. Tom, you, you, you've been talking so much about Orange Cassidy. Dolph's, in a weird way, kind of doing, a, in my opinion, a better Orange Cassidy than Orange Cassidy because that's Orange Cassidy's gimmick. Dolph, I don't know what's going on here. I'll give well, you, I'll give you an analogy. De- we got a little been, context. I'll give you an analogy. I, I, a couple weeks ago, you guys know this. It was, I was with my daughter, Sadie. Took her to see, uh, there was Brian Wilson. He was with a couple of the Beach Boys in Chicago. Nice. And it's a very interesting dynamic in that you, all of us are there in our Hawaiian shirts. And then there's the Chicago crowd. Now, I don't know <laughs> if anyone knows the rock band Chicago. Interesting group. They all kind of wear black. They all have suits. They look like they're from a, a, a Robert Palmer video in the late 80s. They have slick back hair. They're people you never see anywhere else in life because we would never intersect 
it's and the analogy I used was it was the neighbors from Christmas Vacation and Cousin Eddie. I'm in the Cousin Eddie <laughs> camp. Dolph right now is striking me as like the like the new wave kind of yuppie neighbors from Christmas Vacation. But, but I, we don't know what his deal is. Like, like, why is he? And it's annoying me to the point where it's it's working, though. It's not like these edge promos that uh, let's not even talk about just another one of those. Well, it's it's things. working because he's present. Yeah, I mean, that that's important to point out. He's actually showing up and we don't know la- why last night he did not interfere. But his presence alone cost theory the match. And you, by it, the way, theory, yeah. even though they're building him, theory is. Oh, and six in matches since he won the money in the bank briefcase. And then, so, but that's, they always feel like whoever, whoever is the owner of the briefcase can lose matches comfortably because they're going to get their shot at the title. I don't know that that's true. And I think that that's, that's a tough way to bring it's a bad somebody way like, to build them. Then I don't care yeah. if you're on a losing streak and you cash in, I don't give a shit. In fact, well, and, and supposedly that's a Vinceism supposedly that's Vince's call is that he doesn't mind throwing a loss at the person with the briefcase because they're going to get that title shot. So maybe we'll see something different, I hope. Uh, but Z- so Ziggles talked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually spoke in this one and he had a tag match with AJ Styles, which is an interesting pairing. They're two very similarly skilled wrestlers. Um, I mean, Ziggler shows up at, at ringside, very stylish, you know, he's he's wearing like these kind of tailored suits, but with these floral yep. print shirts and he's, stuff. He's, he's just requested he's Saturday got his own in the style. park and you're the inspiration. He's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> he wants a little bit. Of, I'm a man and mononucleosis. Well, you and your family go. What the hell is this shit? How many trombones? Well, and you know, you're going to get a good match out of him. That's regardless of what he's doing or where he is on the card. When you put him in the ring, he's going to have a good match. Yeah, he can't. He um, he's, he's just a special athlete. But then to wrap up, did you guys our, hear? Did you guys hear the Nathan Fielder line yes. that he had? Yes. Sorry, I just wanted to, I just want to throw that out there because I really enjoyed that one. That was that was a that was a deep cut that for was a deep comedy cut fans that that does not get on <laughs> <laughs> the week before. Yep. Um, Nathan Fielder, what the fuck is he? Is he a first baseman? <laughs> mm, we should bring back MVP. Um, <laughs> not that MVP, the other MVP. Oh, goddamn, get them both. Um, so then we wrapped up, but then we top off the first at the round of 50 minute mark where theory's kind of leaving. He's powdering. Shout out to Ed Kosky. who taught me that term powdering. And, uh, then who comes in the Usos boom callback. You know, I love a good callback. And that was, and that was like, I was like, that's, that's how it's done. Right there. And that they super a, kicked the shit out of theory. That was episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> it was, oh, remember that thing at the beginning? Yeah. We told you this. Was, that's also, by the way, that's another Paul Heyman trick. Is that he's going to tell you what's going to happen. He's going to tell you what's going to happen. Then some other shit's going to ha- distract you. And then, boom, that thing. And, and it hits extra hard because you go, oh, that's right. And then you feel it like, oh, I, I took my mind off the ball. Well, the, an interesting wrinkle, though, at the end. So, Julie, Uso's surprise super kick theory as he's going up the ramp to leave yep and roman comes out now normally this would be where you expect that the the champion shows his vicious streak and he beats up theory even worse and they throw him off the balcony or whatever that instead he just talks trash very softly just very casually and they punked out theory worse by not destroying him yeah and i like that that was really well done 
Speaking of well done, we had another segment. Tom, you really wanted to get to this. Uh, Ray Mysterio, yes. 20 years. I'll let you take it away. You specifically right. said this is, so, this is me, so here you go. Ray Mysterio, um, I don't think it's ever... You know, the, the, the WWE audience is multicultural, um, but so much of modern wrestling was born in Mexico. There's so many moves, so much style, and so much presentation that has come from Mexican wrestling. And Rey Mysterio is a guy that for 20 years in WWE and basically over the course of four separate decades, because he, he was first on American television in the late 1990s with WCW, he has been a guy that if you saw him, you never forgot him. Between the moves and the mask, he was a guy that he was, I mean, they, they would put him on front and center of WCW programming to grab eyeballs and then they would hope to hold on to those eyeballs with the big stars at the end of the show. Eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> he has been called upon to get over some really bad storylines. Well, it, some, I mean, some less than thrown, ideal storylines. Yeah, some, some unsavory ones. And some that, la- you know, that had lasting effects on his family. Mm. I mean, he had a feud with Eddie Guerrero, and Eddie's one of his best friends, but Eddie was a heel, and it was over who was Dominic's real father. And Dominic is now a grown man and is in WWE. But Dominic was a little kid and he mm. was involved as a performer in that angle and in that big match, the blow off match. Um, but Ray is a guy that Latinos do not get enough representation in media. Uh, we make up about 18% of the U.S. population and we're about 6% of movie and TV roles, which is just beyond ridiculous the importance of somebody like ray having a career spanning four decades you can't understate it and he was so genuine and so real in the ring i loved that promo he got to shout out eddie guerrero kurt angle edge conan uh if you didn't know who k-dog was now you do that's conan uh not conan o'brien by the way uh conan the mexican hulk hogan yeah Dean Malenko, man of a thousand holds. You got to shout him out. Batista, who I, a lot of people might not remember, but Batista and Ray are legit, you know, good friends. He just seemed so unbelievably sincere, and I was so genuinely happy for him. Um, and to, to get to share that moment with his son, he had his wife and daughter backstage, and uh, ostensibly his agent. There was like one guy in in the room celebrating that was like clearly his agent. Well, if he, he didn't just, do anything and he was celebrating, chances are that's an agent. <laughs> oh yeah, he was pouring the champagne. So, but I'm just, I'm so What's happy that? for I'm blacklisted Ray. even more? Okay, great. <laughs> just found that out. So, so happy for Just Ray. you when, have to when, fire your agent. None of the other writers, but just you <laughs> now for that statement. Okay. Uh, it might've been Barry Bloom. Um, might've been. Who's the, the, yeah, the wrestling agent of the stars. Um, when Eddie Guerrero passed away, that left a hole in the wrestling community, but especially for Latino representation. I mean, yeah. he was such a massive star and was only getting bigger and bigger at the time. He was a guy that was getting over for not only his match quality, but how much he could do in a match to make you feel different ways, to make you laugh, to make you cry. And to, he, was a, he was just the ultimate underdog. And Ray really had to carry the weight of that not only his friend's loss but to carry that legacy and he did it brilliantly and it was just it was wonderful to see them have and and also another smart move we had ray in an angle later 
but the angle of was not like that particular celebration in the ring was not interrupted. That's what I was waiting for. And I was like, please don't, please don't, please let them have this. And they did. And I was really, really happy that they did. It worked out great. Yeah. And that's a, that's another thing that you think, I think that's a change. That's a visible change on screen. That would have been an interruption. I think. I did like Finn Balor circling at the end, going into commercial break to lead me into, okay, something's going to happen later. We were texting each other, Julie, when Ray and Dominic went over. Holy shit. Cause I thought, look, we've talked about this. We've not been fans of the judgment day. No, Um, we call everyone that fights them planet fitness because there's, they're the no judgment zone. And so last night, planet fitness was the Mysterios and they went over and I was like, that might, I was like, did Hunter just be like, fuck this with the judgment day. And we were like kind of celebrating, but we got swerved because then you go backstage and Rhea shows Rhea Ripley's there. And that I actually did like a jump scare when it cut to her because because like a very nice person, uh, but scary on television. Absolutely. And I I jumped because I was like, shit, where'd she come from? And really good physics. And that like felt real. Tom, that brought back memories of the Macho Man, Miss Elizabeth wedding reception a little bit at msg where you're just like it, chaos back because you can see the same hallways and people being dragged around and just like and i was and it had that like you said i don't i guess that crash tv feel of oh shit what's going on here like i and then now all of a sudden julie you said this day you're like you kind of care about the judgment day because you're like i hey, care screw about those them. guys for getting in well, there like i was having a happy moment here and you messed right? it all up and it's thanks to rio by the way because first of all Really happy to see Rhea Ripley back because she had an issue. It was a health issue yeah. that she never really declared what it was. And then there was a lot but of they were monitoring her heart about, and it, there yeah. was rumors of a concussion. And mm-hmm. so she was out for a little bit and she's a massive star. Yeah. And she hadn't been utilized properly. And I, th- I actually think Another that she's the favorite, heart and soul the of the judgment day. She really right now, and especially from that segment and also Rhea choosing to get physical with, a male. Yep. Was that was a switch too. Yeah. And I, I don't know that how shit. that's going to be paid off. And I, I hope they're careful with it, but she is a very, very intimidating looking person. She's certainly bigger than Ray and Dominic. And so it was fun to see Rhea back. And it was great to see her in an, uh, an angle that really she ran and ran well. I did like Finn Balor's line though. It's not your anniversary. It's my birthday. You did like that line. <laughs> I really liked <laughs> it. I had that marked down as one where I was like, hmm. remember that Pete Weber, the bowler he won. And he said, who do you, who do you think you are? I am. Remember that clip? That's what it felt a little bit like that. Go look it up on YouTube. So Pete Weber, he's this guy who dress, who bowls, right? Tom, he looked like he dressed like Jeff Jarrett to bowl. He had like the crazy sunglasses and he would, he bowled and he tried, I was just trying to say who, who you think that you are, that's who I am. But instead it came out with, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> and that's how I felt like when it was like, it's not an it's my birthday. I was like, all right. Like it was one of those, I like, was, you kind of look at the guy next to you and you're like, okay, we'll keep eating him up. But let's talk about your trash talk later. You liked it I though? wasn't crazy about the birthday line, but what, what I did love was the match ending in dueling fake Bugs Bunny chair shots the Eddie Guerrero style. I don't say fake. First, can't Finn say tried fake. it. Yeah, well, yeah, the fake chair shot. So Finn <laughs> okay. attempted first. He did. And, and he then, did. And then uh, Ray took over 
and showed him how to do it correctly. And then the, they, it wasn't called a DQ because I, I did like that. The referee couldn't confirm whether it was real or not. So they let it go. And I liked that. Too. There was that was another little thing that they got right. There were more little things went right last night than usual. Uh, there's usually big lapses in like continuity with any and, live uh, show and credibility with any live show, yeah. but especially on Raw lately. No but editing. they got a lot of those little things correct last night. Too well, many people working thing, from New Jersey. Yes, one little thing that uh, the kind I will say here's uh, some I would say constructive criticism, and it's difficult because we're just people here talking, and you don't like to. Uh, I don't want to say disparage, but you don't want to um, undersell other people who talk and do it much better than you. But I will say as a viewer and someone who loves commentary, so we have Bianca and Becky, the two top stars in the women's division, get into a like a phenomenal brawl, just a phenomenal, um, you know, uh, uh, just all out, everyone, all, all hands on deck. I think people that weren't even currently working for WWE were there as road agents. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tugboat was down there. Um, it was, uh, I saw a couple doinks. They were just having to pull them apart. It was just this insane. It was so well done. It was great. And the place was going nuts. And they're going, let them fight. Let them fight. And I'm into it. And then it just goes to the commentary. And so it's, it's, uh, it's Jimmy Smith, it's Corey Graves, and it's Byron Saxton. And they go... Wow, what a brawl. But folks, last week on Raw, Alexa and Dewdrop <laughs> had a little bit. And I'm going to do another it reminded me of. It reminded me of the anchors at the desk in the Grape Stomp Lady video. Of just, oh, I think she's hurt. I think she's hurt. We'll check on her. That's a shame. Do we have traffic coming up? And so that was my issue um, with that is that it felt like at times that's a crazy brawl that just happened. You never see a brawl, like a baseball brawl. You never see A-Rod and Jason Veritek just beat the crap out of each other for real on live TV and then just go to commercial or just go, speaking of which, today is the 20th anniversary of the such and such hot dog. No, like you have to let that breathe. And that was something that that would be in the scripts, Julie. It would say breathe as if yes. like, let this sit, let this sink in. And at times last night, and maybe it was because they didn't want anyone's parts segments to get cut. They didn't anyone, you know, they wanted to try to keep everyone. It just felt like it was moving along too quick. When I was like, hey, that fucking crazy brawl we just saw. Can we talk about this for a second? Like, like that was insane. And they're yeah, they literally the brawl a little bit, pulling each other's hair out as you're as you're throwing to a as you're smiling again. And your names come on the bottom of the screen and you're throwing to the I'm like. Guys, there's a fight going on. Like, what the hell is going on here? So that was my one little thing is that that took me out of the mood a little bit. And I don't know yeah. if it's because that wasn't done as well or if it's because the rest of it was so good. I, I think I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter for sure, because Becky and Bianca were 10 out of 10. Yeah. The audience was 10 out of 10. You can't blame that audience at all. No. And I just, I didn't feel like the commentators were 10 out of 10. I, I agree with you, John. So how, do, what would you do? Like, what would your solution be? Like, would it just be like to budget more time? Because I mean, again, you don't want to have a complaint without coming to the table with a solution. Do you budget more time in? Do the, now, because they didn't even get up, I don't think, right? Weren't they in there? See, now, now I, Julie, I'm going to do it for you. Okay. Because you, you said this to me and I know you're, and we know each other well. If two dudes are doing that, are they still sitting in their chairs or are they standing up and selling and saying, holy shit? 
They ended up in selling. Yeah. So that was, I thought, Easily. sort of a, a small detail that hopefully, I, I, I would guess that was probably, they all watch everything back. Jimmy Smith's a UFC guy, pro's pro. Yeah. But yeah, I was really just like, it, yeah, it felt like an SNL where Correct. it went right from a really dark, you know, live sketch where someone dies it at the end to an Andy Samberg digital short. Yes. And it was just like, yes. whoa, hold, hold on. Abrupt. Um, well, we had no solution. I lost, I had to, I lost my fucking cold open. And I needed something oh. for a chick. So what do you want me to do? I'm doing all the impressions today. Um, I like it though. Burning all the bridges, th- but as Bishop says, I know how to swim. Uh, I think Tom? it was a, just a production placement issue where, you know what? After that brawl, have some silence from the commentators, throw to a video so that they don't mm. have to talk. And then when they do have to come back and talk, have them like, oh, that was something, everybody. I, you know, just, just have them like nervous and rattled from the brawl and then talk. Yeah. But, you know, they could have thrown to the, to the Edge Weird video. They could have thrown to a SummerSlam yes, why promo. wasn't the Edge video? That's a perfect place for that. Yep. Huh. So that's, well, that's, that's just we a do. production We're here issue. to second guess everything yep. after a live show. And we're calling it the Edge video now. We're saying this is Edge. Well, I like right? that tweet. I, don't, I wish I could credit it. Um, someone tweeted out, you got Julie, I think you sent it to me. It was uh, WWE. This is an edge promo fan. <laughs> is it Bray Wyatt? <laughs> just like, no. <laughs> like Bray's going to have to do a PSA and go, hello, I'm Wyndham Rotunda. As you can see, I'm in Costa Rica with my family. I'm not going to be there tonight. Everyone's like, he's under the ring. Uh, <laughs> just like, we just want to believe what we want to believe. It's true. It's true. I even I laugh. Suppose- like, it's MSG. You never know what's going to happen. Shout out Suppose- to them for not hot shotting that because everyone said Edge yeah. was going to show up last night because it's MSG, and they realized supposedly we didn't he need was it. going to, and his travel plans changed at the last. Oh, is that what Something, happened? There was yeah, there was some kind of travel issue with Edge coming down from so. Canada, huh? That's what the reporting says, anyway. So Edge but didn't screw it, so th- <laughs> we didn't screw Edge. Edge screwed Edge. Travel screwed Edge. Delta screwed Edge. That's their slogan. <laughs> Shout out to Delta. Um, so, but real quick, we also segue into another women's match. That to me felt a little, you know, like, hmm. Sort of like uh, in radio, which we'll get to at the end, uh, when you see two songs back to back and you're like, oh, that's the same song two times in a row. That's mm. sort of how it felt to me. Or it was like, I could have used something, a buffer there somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, we get to Alexa. What are we doing here with this doll? What's going on? She's not made her feelings secret on social media. Alexa Bliss, a.k.a. Alexi Kaufman. What has she said? She's tweeted out more than once that she's wondering about the direction of her character. Oh, wow. Tom, I'm right, right? Like after the draft, she went undrafted and was just or she wasn't in WrestleMania. Didn't know why. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any, anything like that recently from her. No, I will say that her within the her, last like, year, her baby face fire. Yeah, her babyface fire in the promo before the match was good. The match had a weird finish. Um, I, that's a match like I took a cut. real bump too there on the neck, which is not a good yeah. spot to take. And, bump and there her. was um, there was a move that it, it was. I think it was the finishing maneuver yeah. that she didn't quite nail, and it so the it, it kind of deadened the crowd a little bit. Who we were red hot up to that point. It, that's just a match that I don't think they needed. Um, Especially given that there it was such a packed night. What, what were, do we uh, think's going they on? They did with have. Her? They did give a lot of matches time to breathe. What do we think's going on? Long matches. Matches. What's the long? Is there a plan? 
I'm going to say I don't, I don't think, think there is a plan. Yeah. No, I don't, don't think so either. I don't think there's a plan. I to say sell dolls. the best thing to do is to scrap it and start over. But they have yep. to sell the doll. It's the number one. It is. It is the number one selling piece of merchandise. Is it really? Yeah, it's number one. I think Alexa was put in a really tough spot that she did not. Ask, I mean, I think she to be paired with the fiend. You're like, holy shit. And then it's the old double. You know, it's like and we're getting rid of him and you're the new fiend. I don't think she wanted uh, that. No one wants that shit. Yeah. And I think the yeah. fans legit are behind her because they're like, hey, she's making the best out of a real tough spot here. And her yeah. doll's number one. So now she's in the situation where wow. they did all those vignettes with the psychiatrist to get rid of the gimmick. But the doll's number one. And just like, it's just that thing where it's like, well, now what the fuck do we do? Yeah, you, I mean, you got to figure out a way to use the doll. Does the doll start winking during matches again? Remember that? That oh, fantastic no. naked gun scene where the doll, or airplane, when it became the autopilot and just winked in the middle of a match? <laughs> On a show that Paul Haven was a part of? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope they figure it out just because um, got to do something. There's so yeah, many if other, the doll so is things. selling. Well, make that the character. Like, I mean, that's yeah. a big thing is the doll phenomenon and like the like the American doll thing and like the, mm. you know, so why don't we make Alexa that character? Like this collector. That's kind of cool. Like what's the anti-American doll? You know, this. Oh, this in Ted Lasso, of- there's a doll that his that uh, Roy Kent's niece. He goes and he, he, Roy Kent takes his niece to buy the doll. So what if she started using a British accent and being fancy? No, seriously. Like she started being like Madonna. Like Zelina? Join Zelina Vega? Yeah. They started acting fancy and they were like the dolls club. There you go. And then like, I, like it. I do like I like the idea the American girl doll, doll and another yeah. doll and another doll. And you got yes. one, two, three, four, five. I do the like doll. the idea of like going down that doll route of like the doll now has a book and the yes. doll has different outfits. She can have a little pet robotic spider. No, stop. But Julie, as LeVar stop. Burton would say, but don't take our word for it. <laughs> uh, but as we move on, Tom, I know you this is one of your favorites. Oh, it's, it's one of your favorite wrestlers in the world, Tom. Double J, it's Jeff Jarrett. Oh, He's a bowler, Tom, are right? Those your, no. Are your headphones having a problem, or is that actual steam coming out of your ears right now? It's it's probably steam. Boy, it was that. Did they I'm let Jeff Jarrett? Jeff, but I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. Did they let Jeff Jarrett write the street prophets and Usos trembling in fear from him? Because uh, it seems That's like fair. he did. I mean, he's he's a shriveled up, shrunken, retired middle no, manager, he's and he's making these two. Tag teams of young men. He's not who shriveled could, could up, Tom. That's the best double J's looked smack in 20 years last night. That's, he, that's the I Mrs. Did. Balls, okay? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm We're sorry. We're, we've gone full we, force we with the ball joke. Are we, are we just going to smash every bad bit together? The, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't like the... Th- First of all, Jeff has been off WWE TV for a while. And I have major problems with the racist angle he did down in Mexico, most recently before being rehired. As a heel. Um, Wasn't his job yeah. to go in and be the heel? Uh, it was his job to be the heel, didn't not they a racist. Did he just I, show I, up unannounced or did they like bring him in? They, they brought him in, right? I thought it was unannounced. Well, but I, regardless, were the police you called? Need, did he go to jail? The, the guy's been in wrestling 100 years. If you can't oh get heel heat without being a racist, then don't Jeff's quit. not a racist. Do something else. Uh, he's Tom. I mean, he's not. 
<laughs> okay. I mean, he's his, a heel. his angle. Okay. Well, his angle tells me differently. Hey, Tyson Fury might not be a racist, but every time no. he wrestles, every time he boxes that. anybody that's Mexican, all of a sudden it's all about that. And I, okay, well, that's fine. You can tell me you're but not a show me you're two not things a racist. About Jeff, but what did you watch his? I bet you didn't. If you go on Peacock, as I call it, uh, the winged rainbow. If you go on there and you check out uh, Stone Cold's interview uh, with Double J uh, on the Broken Skull Sessions. Tom, have you watched it yet? Uh, I, I try to stay away from any Jeff Jarrett related. Well, give program. it a shot. That's the that's that's the real Jeff Jarrett. I'm just telling like. If you don't like the character, yeah, he's supposed to be a, a, a dipshit. But, like, I just think that there's... I see what you're saying, because, yeah, like, he does have... He does have that heat of, like... Um, he does have sort of that theory heat of, like, wow, this is real whatever. But um, I, I sat next to the guy for two weeks when he was getting started on live events. Nice yeah. guy. And not at all like okay. his character. I'm just saying. Could, could be... Uh, but also on the flip side, I've never enjoyed a match that Jeff Jarrett has ever been a part of. I just don't. I don't, yeah. I don't like his, his moveset does nothing for me. He throws everybody's excuse with Jeff that why, how good he is, is he throws a really good working punch. If you can't throw a good working punch, you shouldn't be wrestling. That's the, like the first thing that you should learn oh, is Tom, how to throw a good working punch. Now you're calling out Shane. Unbelievable. <laughs> you're fighting with everybody. <laughs> oh, no. I... Don't enjoy Jeff Jarrett. Okay. And I'm probably not going to anytime soon. I think he's great. I don't understand why he's being put in this referee role. I don't think it's, it's going to further anything. SummerSlam's in Nashville. Is, is that a huge deal? Is he over in Nashville? Yes. Because he's not over anywhere else. He's, he's uh, just a guy. He's literally just a guy. Just a guy. Check his, he, check his numbers. There's, versus okay. ours. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, <laughs> no, he's, he's great. Star okay. Whatever. We agree to disagree. Okay, but um, I, I didn't like the segment because you have this guy fresh on WWE TV from retirement, and all of a sudden two tag teams are cowering in fear of him. I, I didn't dig well, he that Well, he got in Jeff all. Jarrett in true Jeff Jarrett fashion. He got in at just the right time where we know how it works with Vince, where when someone gets a podcast and the podcast gets popular, God damn it, he's talking to that fat guy, fat guy with the beard, go get him. The mortgage guy's fucking me over. And they go and they get the pod. They sign the guy, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, Jeff Jarrett. And then like right away, Vince was out. So Jeff like right came right in there. Oh, <laughs> he really did. He really did. And I love it because that, that's Lucky the ultimate. Man. He's Tom, you know who he is? And I get he's your Newman. He's your guy. You're just like, Jeff. like as that he comes on screen, reference. you hate him. And then he did that in real life, the way he got rehired this time. I just like, don't want to see him anymore. And every few years, I'm treated to him again. And I, I just like, no, I rejected this. First person in, I in saw when I went 90s. for my interview in Stanford, and I was like, it was, it was like, it was Jeff Jarrett. Was he at the reception desk? He was on his phone. He was on his cell phone. He said hi to me. No, he, hey, he come was, on, you, he you was know what? I'm tired. Cars. You guys are just, we're moving on. We're going to the man. <laughs> Jeff, I'm sorry about this. I hope it's, uh, I hope it's Celtics Warriors again. It's good basketball next year. It's good. If you're ever in Boston, come to a game. We'll go. Okay, so we're at the, we go to the main event, Riddle and Street Profits, Bloodline. Um, thoughts on this? Real blood. Real blood. Yeah, literal bloodline all over uh, Montez Ford's face. Real bloodline. Busted open the hard call. way, it looked like. 
Uh, and they didn't have to jump out. He didn't have to do a weird thing over the rope onto the ground for no reason. Like that weird spot that I still... I want to interview Montez Ford just to find out what happened. We, you know what we should do? Call back to early in the episode. I want Montez and the Grape Snop lady. And they both come on and we go, guys, what went on? Like, what was the, with this weird bump? But good, compelling match. And they let that blood... It was done in a way where they went to commercial very randomly. I yes. believed it. I was like, I think... I think Tez is messed up here. Yeah. And then uh, you, it was very well done. And um, you think it was done? Is the it just hard a coincidence? Some... Yeah, that's my question. Was it just a coincidence that TV 14 happened and we get blood or did he actually? Do you get want to know the anything? answer or do you want to enjoy it? I want to know the answer. Oh, okay. I, I would mean, say just... I think it was deliberate. Oh, okay. F- oh, Triple H's answer I... would be, do you want to know the answer or do you want to enjoy it? Yeah, I would say. I mean, I, I, I think the turnbuckle busted him open. Especially, I, I don't know why you would cut the, like, the inner parts of your face. Like, if you're going to blade, you're going to blade up by your hairline. You're going to blade up, you know, where, where sweat is going to pour the, the blood oh, yeah. down onto your face. True. Well, maybe he, he was bleeding maybe from, he like, from his eyebrows. eyebrow or nose. or he was. I don't think he had a broken nose. I think there was a cut, like, between his, his eyebrow and his like nasal bridge mm. and that was spurting blood at one point. And That's there's true. no, I don't think you, you blade yourself there. He also did a, uh, he also stuck that move. Did you see him landed on his feet. He did that. Yep. Moonsault out of that. I've never seen that before. Took Outrageous out and landed on his feet. I was like, That's you know who else does that though? Dawkins. Yeah. Dawkins is doing dives where he's landing on his feet. I like when you take a Those charge guys are just and the other guy goes down. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not falling down. You get the call. That's impressive. Um, I mean, right now, Becky and Bianca and the Usos and the Street Profits are the two best feuds going in WWE. So they're consistently great. Yeah. Bloodline goes over. And then, Tom, here comes another one of your favorites. He went to the Michael Jackson estate sale and he said, I'll take all of it. And Seth Rollins came down to the ring. Uh, No socks and all. And a nice, a brief interaction of the the connective tissue. Uh, uh, down the aisle of Seth and uh, Roman, and I love that Seth just went bye. Channel a little bit of Dan Housen there, and so um, went in before and- before Seth came out. By the way, I was watching with my son, and we both turned to each other like, "Okay, so where's Seth?" Mm. And then burn it down hits, and all of a sudden we get Seth coming out, and then there's that. I think the future like year long feud is going to be Roman and Seth. It has to be going to be who I mean, they're so good together. Riddle and that match. They Seth had a few months Roman ago. And Seth? Roman and Seth. I'm sorry. Wait, um, but I'm, but no, still, no, I'm said, surprised by that. You yeah. Still you think said it's, Roman and Seth. And I think yeah. John and I are surprised that you said yeah, Roman like for and real. Seth. Like we know who you're talking so about. Do you, just like, do why? you guys remember the Roman Seth match from a few months ago? Yeah. I thought I misspoke by the way. No, it was a good match. It's just you, but you think that's where they're Excellent going. Excellent match. Excellent match, and not Without just that, but finish. almost no no build up. Yeah, with no real and finish. It, exactly. I think that's okay. once once Brock and uh, Roman are finally over, it's going to be Roman and Seth. They're the two biggest stars in the company, the two biggest workers as far as in the men's division. I I I, I can't see anything else being impactful, and they could carry a feud for a long time. Yeah. Imagine if Paul went over to the other side. Ooh, there's some heat. A lot of talking, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. That, become, that becomes the Jeff Van Gundy broadcast crew of guys, talk about what's happening. Um, but if you want to see where this goes, and um, 
where the new direction WWE goes. It's Monday Night Raw, Mondays at 8 on USA. We're plugging in again. And Friday Night Smackdown, Fridays at 8 on Fox. Of course, there's other wrestling going on. There's still another game in town. It's all elite wrestling. And uh, Tony Khan had uh, quite a wild week, didn't he, Tommy Rico? He did indeed. Um, it was the second week of Fighter Fest. He had AEW represented at San Diego Comic-Con, which is a brilliant move. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, But probably the most impactful thing he did was his post-Vince McMahon tweet. So Tony tweeted after the news that Vince McMahon was stepping down and retiring. Uh, this is the quoted tweet. Thanks to you, wrestling fans, and your great support of AEW. I'm grateful to now be the longest tenured CEO in pro wrestling. Thank you very much to every single person who watches AEW on TV. See you for Friday night AEW Rampage on TNT Drama, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Pacific Time, tonight! Did he mention Mountain Time? (laughs) No. Ah, he fucked up this time. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Yeah, he He dropped his, killed his gimmick. Yeah, man. Always be plugging Perfect tweet. Ah, Honestly, he put himself say. over I did, and I he put his like company over. I think it looks snarky. That said, would I have done it if I were him? Oh, fuck yeah. If I, really, if, it was, if I was in a position like that, yeah, I've done shit like that. A little bit of passive aggressive subtweeting. Part of today's and culture. I don't, I don't think he owes any genuflection. I mean, he is running a promotion that well, is running Well, he had a little bit of difficulty the, the other night, didn't he? Do we want to get yeah, into that? Tom, <laughs> well, you're the AEW guy uh, here. Well, so there's a little bit of a narrative about Tony Khan, right or wrong, that perhaps certain demographics of wrestlers, he has a difficult time. And we were just talking about Jeff Jarrett. Well, this is one that is muddled um, because it's again, it's all backstage reporting. So none of us were there. But so Tony Khan purchased Ring of Honor. Yes. And they put on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. The first since Tony has purchased it. Congratulations Uh, to uh, Dishonor. Claudio, by the way, going over. Claudio Castagnoli, title. new Ring of Honor champion, something that he hey, never, uh, he never reached when he was first there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, Claudio, wrestled Jonathan Gresham, who was the long-running champion of Ring of Honor, carrying the belt while the promotion was basically defunct. And so there was apparently a dust-up backstage. Uh, Jonathan Gresham had some creative problems with what was given to him. And uh, apparently the, the, the words that I, I saw quoted the most were uh, cussed out. Yeah. So apparently Jonathan cussed out Tony Khan. Uh, was he, to his credit, completed the match, dropped the title, uh, did the honors. But something happened there. And I think this is where Tony really needs to buckle down and separate the promotions. Uh, AEW is suffering and ROH is suffering because they're both smashed onto AEW television. And I don't think I saw that a lot. I saw a lot of people complaining about that, that it was getting too too much crossover. And then, so it, it it completely buries ROH as like this other little promotion that they're, they're it feels like the invasion WWE, WCW, but also, uh, AEW has fans that want to see AEW wrestlers on television. Yep. And if you're putting ROH guys on and ROH ladies on, then all of a sudden you're taking TV time away from the most popular people. At a time and when a lot of people really, might want to bolt. Yeah. Second, second week of Fighter Fest, unfortunately, was not great. Um, we saw the return of Jungle Boy, uh, Jack Perry, 
And uh, that was great. Um, See the guy who's one of their the biggest on Letterman. No, that's Jack Hanna. Got it. Um, Got it. Okay. <laughs> or Jonah Embry. That's right. Um, from but the, yeah, uh, San Diego Zoo. Um, yeah, well, speaking of zoos, the barbed wire everywhere match between Eddie. That's three yeah. so far today. Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho in a barbed wire everywhere match uh, did not deliver. It was sloppy. It was gross. <laughs> well, it kind of tells you what good. it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, but even it didn't even deliver that. Um, so they had a really sorry, rough second week of Fighter way. Fest. I'm not laughing at two guys fighting with barbed wire everywhere. Well, but on the positive side, Tony Khan sending his talent to, to Comic-Con. Brilliant move. He but had an AEW you, Tom, panel. There's a narrative going out right now because we've talked, we've been hard on Vince. And so optics wise, there's a, a narrative about Tony Khan right now that Tony has a very difficult time dealing with black talent in his promotion. And there was a, an instance we talked about with Big Swole, uh, New Year's Eve of all times uh, during a lockdown. So everyone's just looking at their phone and he tweeted it out. And um, there's that narrative. And so I mean, what does Tony Khan do at this point to work his way out of that? Because now you put yourself in a position where anything you do. Does he have a daughter who can take over? (laughs) Not yet. Ladies and gentlemen, after three, three years, time to retire. I'm going to. And then four year old walks out. Sadie's like, oh, my friend, I go to work now. Um, I'm going to get banana butt. Um. But um, Sadie really will be naming him in AEW, <laughs> suing her father. Uh, no, that's that's twenty years down the road. But um, what does he? What does Tony Khan do? Because I mean, like, if you, I'm sorry, but sometimes you look at some of those crowds in AEW, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, well, WWE has a little of that too. I mean, but that's honestly that's oh. a lot of major sporting events. I mean, it is a predominantly white audience for a lot of major sporting events. Um, I think that AEW structurally has some optics issues in that it's not a very diverse company racially yet. Um, There are literally international talents in AEW. Um, I think one thing that Tony has to do is don't get baited into a dumb social media war with someone you just released, regardless of race. It's going to look bad and it's going to look double bad if it's a woman of color which is that's what happened. And that was, I think Tony was a little younger in the business. I think that was just, it was a spur of the moment, knee jerk reaction. It was dumb. I don't think he would do it today. Um, So, but I I don't, I don't think it's anything beyond that. I mean, it wasn't as if Big Swole, who's a a good competitor, I don't think she was lighting the world on fire there. I thought that that release was just, but you don't get into a a back and forth with someone once they've been released. It looks, it's unbecoming. Would you say, also avoid any obvious pandering in the weeks to come. Would that make it look worse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so well, you have to be careful but, with your booking now too. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And, and AEW is, there's some Japanese performers. There are some Mexican yeah. performers. There yeah. are some African-American and performers, Tony but it is a very white roster. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very white roster overall. Yeah. Uh, it does. I don't think it quite reflects the population at large of the United States of America. Yet I think WWE actually more accurately does. Yeah. And that's 100%. something that Tony's going to have to address over time. Still don't quite uh, know why I, Brock went over Kofi so quick that time. When we learned about it, we were all just like, huh? Um, but anyway, um, I'm glad. Well, anyway, guys, I'm glad us as a bunch of white people solved that problem for, <laughs> for yeah. Tony. God. Well, 
one one smart thing though, one feather in Tony's cap. Uh, so he had his performers at Comic Con. He had CM Punk, uh, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, Darby Allen, Jade Cargill, and Orange Cassidy, and they all did numerous interviews. And those interviews got a lot of circulation. But mm. what got even more circulation is Darby Allen being attacked by the House of Black. Oh, that's right. That, when I looked up, because I didn't know exactly who went to Comic Con, I wanted to get the list of performers. And when I looked up AEW at Comic-Con, the first like 10 entries were all Darby Allen attacked by House of Black at Comic-Con. Brilliant move. Got a lot of ink for that. So, you know, shout out to Tony for doing that. And, and I think it's wise. There's so much connective tissue between the Comic-Con audience, which, by the way, it's not just comic book fans. It's all genre yeah. entertainment. See, that's, so, what, that, that, that's a smart move. And that was really the time that it felt like Tony was like getting it. And Julie and I were talking about this yesterday that... If you had five minutes with Stephanie or Triple H, the thing that I would suggest is I need to know who's going to be my talk show guest, who's doing commercials for Geico, who's going to host Saturday Night Live, who's jumping on, uh, you know, uh, an NFL broadcast to, to be funny for a little. I need to know, in addition to your booking and what's happening in an event, who are going to be your superheroes that are famous celebrities? The peep, because in the Attitude Era, they had that. Stone Cold was your, your Nash Bridges beer guy. The Rock was your Saturday Night Live guy. Mick Foley was your video game commercial guy. Um, you know, uh, and then Trish Stratus came along and she, you know, she was doing all the fashion and everything. And it was like, this is who the people are that everyone's going to see. And I, they need to, the fact that WWE didn't do any Comic-Con stuff. I mean, I know they got a lot going on and it's probably for the best. But I think that was, I agree. I think it was a smart move by Tony. And I think the WWE needs to probably, I would actually have a, a push board with pins and just be like, who's in this position? Because I'm sorry. I know that Paul Heyman and all those people have, they think wrestling. They think who's going to win the championship. Great. Once you're in the I'm arena, to think bigger. you're not going to bring new fans in. Yep. You will yep. not bring new And you may lose fans if you don't start having people on magazine covers. They still exist, believe it or not. Uh, or you don't start having people in slideshows for BuzzFeed, or you don't start having uh, the gifts and the me- you got to have people that, as Julie would call, a scroll stopper. And I don't know who I they are. I right immediately became a Triple H fan mm-hmm. because I worked at the Tonight Show and saw Triple H do the Moana song. But I was need- like, this guy, this yes. huge man, this jacked man is singing Moana. But who is my current superstar who can do that? Exactly. Why? And I'm gonna, and I'll, and I'll, I'll end on this note for that. The fact that Bray Wyatt, I know that we bring him up too much. It's going to be Bray Wyatt. I know it. <laughs> Are the Celtics getting Kevin Durant? No, they're getting Bray Wyatt. Um, he, um, the fact that he was never a talk show guest, such a missed opportunity. Just painful that they didn't do something where he goes out there as Firefly Bray, which would have been cringy and weird. And it would have been like when, uh, you know, Will Ferrell used to come out on Conan before he was known and just do a character. And it would have been that weird thing. Then you go to a clip and it's the fiend. And it's just that, that thing of like, if I'm watching a show, I go, shit, I got to watch this. I got to see what this is all about. And so whoever that next person is going to be for WWE, there's a few people in NXT, uh, which also airs on the USA network Tuesday evenings. Uh, also a triple H creation. Uh, I hope they start thinking seriously about who's going to start. Who's going to cross over because I'll tell you right now, I'd love, I'd love to see me a Bianca Belair Saturday Night Live. I think that'd be fucking great. Becky Lynch almost did it, I think. I think that was sort of being worked on, and then a pandemic hit, and 
you know, their child came along, but I'd love to see Bianca go on. That's, but how do you get there? You got to get there. You got to get the right stuff going. And so, you know, you can't have her going up against Carmella <laughs> two more weeks in a row and have that happen. Um, but anyway, to bring it back around, if you want to check out uh, AEW, Tommy, I believe it's uh, Wednesday nights at 8 on TBS. That's Dynamite. Correct? Correct. And then we got Rampage and- Friday nights at 10 on TNT. They know drama and wrestling. That's about it. That's what we got. Right, guys? Okay. Okay. Shit. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe. Please review. And give us a nice five-star rating. Now is the time, Triple H and Stephanie. No more excuses. Let the writers dress like writers. If I see someone in dress shoes on a busy day, you know what I think? They're here to showboat. I want sneakers. I want someone who's oh, I know is going to move around. I hold it against people when I see them in 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 platform shoes or heels you need you need to have that attitude we need sneakers and in the office nice it's like some khakis and just a button-up shirt you can wear an under a t-shirt underneath if you want just a button shirt and some decent pants and sneakers that's how writers dress if you want writers to have the best writer ideas that's it the writers dress like writers i will not back down from this uh, well, whether you're well-dressed or you're wearing your sloppy sweatpants, as always, see ya, buckleheads! Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.